Podcast One. Does the idea of building a profitable business that turns over $15 million after just five years appeal? What about winning a swag of business and personal awards along the way? Hmm, I thought it would. Well, Flora and Fauna's Julie Mathers has done just that, and Bacon has played no role whatsoever. It's a very vegan episode 488 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Yeah, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Timbo-Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing munchies. I'm your host, Timbo-Reed, you, infinitely more importantly... You're a motivated business owner, ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And that's exactly why this podcast exists. But if it's not enough, you can grab a copy of my marketing book, The Boomerang Effect, that I wrote with you in mind over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. We catch up with Julie Mathers, who's the founder of Flora and Fauna, which is the largest and quite possibly the fastest growing 100% vegan store in the world. This week's Monster Prize Draw winner has sold millions of dollars, in part thanks to this show, of something I would never, ever consider buying. And I've got some very exciting news about an upcoming guest. And when I say exciting... It's with a capital E. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Now, when I say exciting about an upcoming guest, I really do mean exciting. Really big news. Coming up in the next few weeks, in fact, I interview him tomorrow, I just haven't decided when to launch it. Uh, we'll be talking to marketing doyen, Seth Godin. Yeah, the big Seth, I call him. Author of Purple Cow, Tribes, Lynchpin. If you're into marketing, like this is the guy you want to listen to. Very excited about that. Now, Julie Mathers, with her hubby Tom, founded Flora and Fauna, the world's largest self-funded 100% vegan store just five years ago, with a crystal clear vision to become the most responsible retailer possible, offering the world's best customer service. It's quite a nice crystal clear vision. I like that. Well, she's doing something right. As five years on, Flora and Fauna stock 6,500 products, will turn over $15 million this year, and Julie was recently named number one in the Online Retailing Industry Association's top 50 people in the Australian e-commerce industry, as well as their Business Person of the Year. She's a bit of a gun, is Julie. Here's why you'll be so much better off having listened to this chat. You'll discover how and why being a purpose-driven business grows your bottom line, how being ethical is also a solid growth strategy, how you can build a tribe of loyal customers who are with you for life, why employing people with disabilities is good for business, and plenty more. I started off by asking Julie what it's like to have grown such a successful business in such a short space of time whilst doing a load of good for the planet. 
it's a really good question. You know what? I, because I'm constantly striving for the next thing, you rarely get time to reflect on it. Part of it, so p- part of it makes me feel great because I'm doing, it makes me feel happy actually, because I'm doing what I want to do instead of meeting someone else's agenda. I'm actually meeting mine. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same point, I always think there's just so much more to be done. And I was watching David Attenborough's new series last night, which is just amazing. But I'm left at the end of it going, right, what else can I do? It's fantastic. I mean, sometimes I can't quite believe that we've got to the position we have got to because it's very, very, very hard to start a business and it requires an enormous amount of work. So I'm delighted that we're here. And then, the, but there's also a part of me that goes, right, what else? What else can we do? I think that's just the nature of an entrepreneur. And, and when you say that, Julie, do you mean there's so much more to do in saving this wonderful planet of ours or yes. there's so much more to do in the business? Oh, both, both actually. But both. because yeah. I'm driven solely by purpose, the second one is driven by the first. So explain being driven by purpose because I can assure you every successful business owner that yeah. I've interviewed on this show, yeah. ma- whether they have said they're driven by purpose or not, it's just very, very clear. Yes. So what do you mean and what does it feel like? It's, it's the single most thing is at the core of your business and that pushes you on. And for me, that's to help everyone make kinder choices and basically to to make change in the way that we do business, the way that people shop and the way that we treat our planet and everything that lives on it. That is the single thing that drives me. So it's not money, it's not power, it's not having the biggest range of this, that or the other. It is the thing that is core to our business and our purpose. And that, that's, that's what I mean by purpose. It's, it's bigger than us. It's way, way bigger than flora and fauna. And so we're a, a, small, a small chunk in trying to deliver that person, purpose. Is it something you sat down with, with your husband, Tom, at some point mm. five years ago before starting Flora and Fauna and said, this is our purpose? Or is it just obvious and, ju- and part of your nature? Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. So when we started, I mean, to a degree, yes, but with our business, everything has developed and grown as we moved. And I think in talk, for me talking to other people with, with any business, actually, small or large, how you start is not necessarily the final thing. So when we started the business, I, my view was, okay, I want, to develop, I want to have a place where you can buy cruelty-free cosmetics, because it, I find it really hard to purchase them. And that was what, that's why we started Flora and Fauna. But over time, you realise that, or I realised that the reason for us being is much bigger than that. And we can have so much more impact than just that. So we had a purpose, but we didn't realise the extent of our purpose. And it's just, it's just as you grow, I think, for us. Have you articulated your purpose now? Is it down to a sentence, a couple of sentences? Yes, helping the world make kinder choices. That's it. So That's it. Yeah. Awesome. And it's on, so we have a huge billboard, like a huge billboard at work and it, it actually covers a fairly nasty wall. So it's kind of handy. But, <laughs> um, but it's, it's on that wall, on a billboard, along with the eight values that 
are really important to us. Do you see other businesses, Julie, in your travels? And I guess I know you mentor other businesses. Mm. Uh, you probably go to networking events, speak at conferences, all that kind of stuff. Do you see business owners who aren't on purpose and do you say anything to them or what do you think when you do see one that isn't on purpose? As in not on, as in they say they have a purpose but they're not actually delivering that? Maybe, maybe, or they just don't, they don't understand the concept of having a purpose. Oh yeah, all the time, all the time. I'll, I'll talk to them in terms of a, it's more, it's more just to help them figure out who they are. Because I think if you don't have a purpose, who are you? And what, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? What's your point of difference? So I saw a guy present uh, last week, actually, and he's um, launched a a booze business, basically. And I was literally watching it and I was going, what's your point of difference? Now, he doesn't necessarily have a purpose to change the world, but I was thinking, why would I shop at you as opposed to Dan Murphy's or Seller Masters Mm. or wherever, wherever, wherever? And I couldn't figure it out. And I I was just Mm. like, I don't know. I don't know why I would shop at you. And so for me, I think I, I always talk to businesses about what's your point of difference. And often that is linked to purpose, but sometimes it just isn't. You know, some you know, fashion businesses, is, as, a, as an example, they're very much about fast fashion and just getting stuff in and getting stuff out. So they're definitely not here to save the planet, um, but their purpose might be to, I don't know, best dress. <laughs> best yeah. dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, purpose much is younger cl- than me. Totally. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Is purpose, I um, wasn't here to talk about purpose for the whole duration yeah, sure. of the, the interview, but but I do know, Julie, that it is fundamental to flora and fauna success and the reason you jump out of bed each day and clearly why your tribe d- does the same. So it's, pr- it's, it's pretty important. Um, is purpose the same as finding your why? I know Simon Sinek's brought that whole, you know, why do you do what you do to the forefront? Are yeah. they similar? Are they the same? Are they different? I think they are similar. It's, I think it's really, really important to know why you're doing what you're doing. And unless you can be incredibly authentic about it and really honest with yourself as well, then you're going to struggle. So I think they're really closely linked. And the reality is, Flora and Fauna's purpose is my purpose. You have, okay, so some stats. You've got the world's largest 100% vegan store. You've got 6,500 products. You've got 270 brands. Um, there's a lot going on, a multitude of awards. Um, you love what you do. <laughs> I'm going to ask you the biggest question you've ever been yeah. asked, which is how have you done it? Now, clearly oh purpose is number one. But yeah. what, are there other, is there two or three other things, Julie, where you go those little strategic moves – are really fundamental to our success. Sure. Um, are, are you play? Are you playing with a stapler or something? What are you, what's oh, going on in the background? Oh there? my god, I am. I'm playing with a tape measure. I'm going to put it down. Put it away. <laughs> down. <laughs> How did? Didn't you get that? Oh I had a whole list of points that I sent you before this interview, and one of them, number one, was don't play hey. with tape measures. Oh, I'm such a. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm such a terrible person about not very good at not Fiddler. doing anything. Anyway. <laughs> um, I hope it's a vegan tape measure, by the way. Oh, it's from Stanley. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so um, yeah, so a, a couple of other kind of key points yeah. or moves in the business that got you to where you are. So I think absolute persistence and resilience is so, so important. And by that, Tom and I have had to sacrifice a lot, Um 
and we work seven days a week. So I think the level of work should not be underestimated at all. I was up until 4am this morning working. So, which is slightly unusual, but not that unusual. So I'm often up till one. So we are unbelievably single-minded and committed to our business. And I think that's really, really important. Because a friend, a friend of mine actually started his business at the same time. And it failed after a year. And the reason being, is he said to me, he goes, oh, but Julie, I, I like my weekends. I like, I like kind of finishing work at five. I said, don't, don't do your own business then. Go and work for someone else. Because the reality is, it is utterly all-encompassing and you need to throw yourself into it. And that's what, um, that's what we've done. So I think hard work and determination and grit should not be underestimated. None of this is luck. This is, <laughs> this is, this is hard-earned. I'm guessing you couldn't do your 4am mornings, your regular 1am mornings, if you weren't on purpose. And I'm guessing too yeah. that you'd probably never really go, geez, this is a pain. I'd much rather correct. go back and work for the man. Yeah. Yeah, correct. I, I never complain about having to do anything um, because it's a really you, important you part of our do. business. And I, I love it. And I just know that it has to be done as well. So mm. it's um, – yeah, no. I, and I then ask, I, yeah. I, I am keen to understand other things that have led to your success, but I just want to drill down on that. Yeah. Um, therefore, I hear working to 4am, regularly working to 1am as either control freak, <laughs> disorganised. You can love what you do. You can yeah. love what you do, disorganised. Um, maybe tight, not willing to employ others <laughs> in order to get the job yeah. done. Yeah. Um, or, so what's happening there? So it's probably, you know what, it's probably a mix of all three. So definitely a bit <laughs> of a control freak, for sure. I also am not very good at doing things tomorrow. So I like to get a lot done. And as a result of that, um, I just push and push and push. So, which is how we've grown so quickly because we don't have investment or any of that sort of, that sort of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. We just absolutely push things out. Someone came into the office the other day and said, oh, you should do um, a time-lapse video of, of your team working. This was after Black Friday. And, um, and I said, great idea. So I just did it there and then. And he goes, oh, I didn't think you were going to do it right now. And I was like, no, no, in the moment. <laughs> mm. um, and so definitely that, I think. So, so to that it, point, because yeah. I'm talking to a very successful businesswoman and I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. Um, to that point, if you've gone and done that time-lapse video, which was just someone else's idea, not yeah. sure to what outcome, to what commercial outcome, to what benefit, yeah. um, but therefore you have sacrificed, and I don't know how long that took, but oh, the opportunity yeah. cost of that would have been significant. Maybe not significant, no. but there's an opportunity cost, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, some things you go. Oh, that's lovely. We'll look at that. You know, but that yeah, yeah. that was a that was a two minute job. Right. So yeah, not a, not a big thing. You set your phone up and you let it go for a couple of hours. And then what do you do? With oh, it? what do we do with it? Social media. Aha. Uh -huh. Social media. Yeah. Okay. Always about social media. All about so, the social. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a mix in terms of how we work so hard. It's a mix of that. It's also the fact that we are recruiting at the moment, actually. But it's finding the right people. Who want to stay with, up till four? No, never ask my team to do that. <laughs> oh, good on you. Good on you. <laughs> no, never ask the team to do that. I'm happy to do it. 
but I never expect yeah, them to do it. That's fair enough. In re- so in regard back to persistence and resilience, what, what else have you sacrificed, Julie, you and Tom? Family time, for sure. Um, got kids? Both of our families. Yes, we do. We have one little boy who is um, nine months old, actually. So, um, and yeah, he actually, um, he has taught us so much. So he's called Woody and he has Down syndrome. So he has taught us so, so much about kindness and compassion, but also inclusivity as well. Mm -hmm. So he's an utter gift to us. And I've done a lot more about us being inclusive as a workplace since having Woody. How how, um, how does it show itself in the workplace? So we, we were always pretty good anyway at employing just a wide variety of people. So we have people who work with us who have hearing difficulties. Um, one of our team is actually deaf. Uh, we have, um, empo- well, we've, we've actually employed two people now who have autism. Uh, there's various different, you know, different abilities around and about that people have. And um, we always, so, so we're very open in how we employ people. Um, but I've just upped that a level in terms of just being a little bit more, I suppose, Look at, looking for it as opposed to waiting for it to come to us. Mm, totally so inclusive. I'm trying to put, yeah. So, so I just want to give other, one in five people in Australia has a disability and you don't see that in the workplace. So I want that to be reflected in our workplace. And did Woody teach you that? Oh, he just, you know, it's, it's me just learning more. about. I, I knew nothing about Down syndrome when we found out, well, I found out when I was pregnant. Um, I knew nothing about Down syndrome and, me just educating myself about it um, has just gone, hang on a minute, we need to be giving people a fair crack here. This is, um, they're amazing people. And, you know, and we hear, we hear the word sorry a lot from people in terms of, oh, sorry that Woody's got Down syndrome. And it's nothing to be sorry about. He's an utter gift. And to be honest, he's just like any other baby right now. So I think there's just a lot to be done in general. Julie, there are, around inclusion. There are um, many business owners listening to this who are going, geez, Julie's a good old stick, you know, good honour for doing that. But they're also <laughs> asking, but what's it, how does it affect the business, uh, whether it be autism or a physical disability, and they're going, yes. that's going to affect my bottom line. What do you say to them? So, A, well, actually, what you'll find is there are different levels of disability. So, some people have just, you know, there's, you wouldn't, things like mental health and things, you wouldn't actually physically know much, but you need to be there to support them. Um, but also you'll find that a lot of people with disabilities, um, uh, you can, they can actually, they, they need a place to work, but you can get um, subsidies for helping them have placements. Plus they will, we, one lady worked with us um, and it was actually on a, uh, an internship. She was with us for 12 weeks and it was for her to get out into the workplace. This was with um, Spectrum Australia. And she actually had someone who came in each week as her um, guide and mentor. So we gave them jobs, a, a specific job to do, and she did that, that job each week. So don't look at it as a burden or a cost mm-hmm. on your workplace because A, it isn't necessarily, but it also has taught our team so much more than that as well in terms of thinking slightly differently. So there's a couple of ways you look at it. And, and I get small business, we're small business. You've, you've got to think about your bottom line. But, but 
often people with um, disabilities will come with with support. So it isn't, you know, it isn't such a cost to you. So it's just something to have a have a look into, I'd suggest. But talk, talk to organisations about it because they know all sorts about, about it. Julie, uh, back to those sort of top three yes. things that have led to <laughs> flora and fauna success. So far, we've talked about being on purpose. We've talked about being persistent, being resilient. What's another strategic move you've yeah. made? We might have even shocked you where you've gone, wow, that, that just skyrocketed us. Oh, gosh. I think when, when we started, um, we didn't we, – we just – we just looked at getting cruelty-free cosmetics. And really, five years ago, no one thought about um, packaging much at all. I think about a year and a half into when we... So we, what we did when we started is we put our stuff into Aussie Post satchels and then we drove down to the post office and we dropped them off with Kumba, the guy at the post office. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and we did that for quite a while. And I loved doing that. It was great fun. And anyway, about a year and a half in, I just went, why are we using all this plastic? This is ridiculous. So we tested just using boxes instead with no plastic at all. And then I was there going, oh, you know, are they going to withstand all the, all the different temperature changes in Australia and cans and the rain and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we've never had an issue at all, ever. And that was probably one of the biggest changes that we've made is really looking at how we operate the business to be pretty much zero waste mm-hmm. and from that move sparked so many other decisions that we made which was to become a B Corp business to carbon offset all of our business to work with charities and so on and so forth so that has been again not wanting to go on about purpose but it does link to that um, it keeps it always comes back to it, it, it everything you I know, do it always comes is back, coming back to your everything purpose. comes back to it right is, is it yeah. hard is it hard to be ethical and responsible? And by hard, I mean, is it hard financially? Do you take a hit? Is it hard um, yeah. from process point of view? It, it, it just seems easier, and that's why I suppose most businesses do it, not to be ethical and responsible. It certainly seems cheaper. Yeah, no, not, not at all. I don't think so anyway. Probably a good example is when we took all the plastic out of our orders. We actually simplified everything because we said, look, we're not going to put the tissue paper in. We're not, we, we put an option at checkout, which was minimal packaging. Because mm-hmm. um, some people are ordering from us and going, I just don't want all the packaging that you're sending. And I was like, oh, okay. So I thought, well, let's give them the choice. So at checkout, we've got a tick box, which is minimal packaging or non-minimal packaging. 95% of people select minimal. Wow. That's a cost saving. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, A, we're hitting our purpose. We're giving the customer choice, which is what they want, giving them what they want. And also, we saved a fortune in terms of – because tissue paper is really expensive. (laughs) Um, We saved a fortune in packaging plus time for the team to actually pack the orders. So, that's one saving right there. Um, Another one this year was – and this is – kind of links to it, but we, um, we changed all of our warehouse systems to uh, everything was, went digital. So before what we used to do was we'd print off the picking slip and then the team would go and pick to the slip. And it was a bit of a treasure hunt, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we went to scanning, scanning in, scanning out. So everything, as soon as it hits that back door, every product has a place in the warehouse. And we lost all the paper. So... Not only 
have we we're just zero paper in the warehouse now so that has saved us we did we did quantify it it was a lot it was yep. a lot of money yep. um but we've also improved efficiency by um 50 and that was overnight mm. and last week with well at the moment in fact with all of the christmas orders our efficiency is up 80 percent. so you can make i firmly believe you can make responsible decisions and ethical decisions which are also really good in terms of just general business practice as well Julie, uh, Flora and Fauna is primarily e-commerce, but you opened up a retail, a bricks and mortar outlet, only 12, 18 months ago? Not even that long. We did indeed. So it was actually July this year. So Oh, wow. Yeah. Why did you do that? Because, you know what, I'm a traditional retailer at heart. Um, so I grew up in stores. So I really understand the importance of customer experience and with that, I love having a direct contact with the customer. So we often do markets. In fact, every month we do a Sydney market. Um, we've got a pop-up next week in Sydney for a week. And I, I just, for me, I, I love running an online business, but I also really love having a direct relationship with the customer face-to-face. Um, in which oh, so, so is this a little thing. passion? Is having a bricks and mortar store a little passion project of Julie Mathers? Of course and, it is. Um, what, <laughs> did, what, did, what did Tom? What did Tom husband slash bean counters have to say about that? <laughs> he said, "Oh God, not another thing." <laughs> <laughs> it's another job on the list. Isn't well, it's it? kind of interesting because if you talk to e-commerce players, they're trying to get out of bricks and mortar. Yeah, uh, I've spoken to a number of them that have actually tried and done what you've done. And I and I got to say, um, there's a f- couple of you know casualties along the way where it seemed like a good idea at the oh, time. Yeah. Spell and the Gypsy Collective seemed to get it right. That's the yes. the clothing store out of Byron Bay. They've got a beautiful flagship store yeah. uh, in Byron, yet most of their business is done online. Um, is your store so okay? So retailer at heart, you love the customer experience thing. What better way of doing it than eyeballing your customer? Is, have you set the store up uh, as a bit of a flagship destination place? Yeah, it's you know what we've done a similar job to spell and not as pretty by any stretch but with spell there i've been into their store and it's below their office isn't it is that right yeah yes yes so it's space they already have um with our store our store is at the front of our warehouse so it's when when we moved into the warehouse the space at the front was specifically cornered off for the store yeah, so I'm not paying crazy Westfield rents or anything else, mm. you know, for a specific spot. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a decent space. It's kind of 70 square metres at the front of the warehouse. It has a, a glass wall at the back which looks straight into the warehouse so people can come in and see what the team are doing. Um, but also we're not limited on range. So if anyone comes in, we can get any of our 7,000 products for them. Um, nice. which we couldn't do if we had a store in anywhere else. So, yeah. yeah, so actually our store revenue now pays for the rent on the whole place. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, so it, it totally um, adds up. And, and for us, it is, it, is, it is a destination. One of the things, Julie, that you are very, very good at uh, is building community. 
building and nurturing community. Now, we all, as as any business owner, wants a tribe. Doesn't matter if it's ten people or ten thousand people. You have a. I would argue you have a run up start to building a community because, and I have a vegan daughter. Mm-hmm. They are passionate. They. Yes. Uh, passionate. They stand for something. They take no prisoners. They want to be part of the greater good. So you have got to you got you got to run up start. But but on top of that, how have you gone about building your community? Where do they live? How do they talk to each other? And what do you do to kind of connect with them on a regular basis? Yeah. So no, you're absolutely right. And it's it's quite touching how we how the, how our community interacts with us as well. I think they. Yes, we're a retailer, but they see us as more than that. So, um, social, the wonders of social media, um, we, we started when, when we launched a Facebook page. So we're on Facebook and Instagram primarily and Twitter. We don't play in Snapchat or TikTok or, or any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not really our market. Um, but we're on those three. And partic- well, Facebook and Instagram are the two big ones for us, but particularly on Facebook, this is where customers talk amongst themselves and we find them talking amongst themselves on our posts. So they'll ask each other for advice. So actually, probably about, oh gosh, five, five or six months ago, we set up um, a Facebook group which for Flora and Fauna called the Flora and Fauna Family and invited our customers to it. And on that group, they can then easily talk amongst themselves. And we're in it as well, and they know we're in it. And there are people who come in and might try and tout their wares or whatever. Um, so there's always the risk of that. But primarily, our community talks to each other, and they and it they do it regularly. Um, and what they're often talking about is, it, oh, I think, what was I looking at? One this morning. What's what safety razor? I'm looking for a non-plastic safety razor. Which one should I get? And then they'll just get a whole heap of responses from different people giving their advice. And that's how we've really, really built the community. But it's all down to social media. And it's also down to us not just pushing products and mm. sales and offers. And yes, we do that because we are a business. That's on our Facebook page. But it's also talking about who we are as a business, what makes us tick, um, the people behind the brand. So we often talk about the team and what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy. What kind of content really works on your Facebook or Instagram? Content that gets a lot of likes, comments, shares. Yeah. So Sales. You know what? If I... I know what's going to fail before I even put it up, but sometimes you just have to put things up because you've sort of agreed with a a brand that you'll do it. Um, So... The things that really work are if we talk about, from a product perspective, we talk about product which has uh, eco-packaging, which is a bit different, which has a real point of difference. It works because that's what our community is looking for. They're looking for ways to tread softly, basically, on our planet. So if we can help them with that, they go, oh, that's cool. So um, any products that are slightly different or that, yeah, have have better packaging um, really work. And and also when we talk about, we don't do it much, but when we talk about social issues or, or environmental issues really, so, you know, the Amazon burning or, um, oh, with the bushfires in Australia, the other week we just said, right, 
it, it, it wasn't about trying to get people to shop with us. We just said, this is awful. We've just donated $1,000 to Port Macquarie Koala Hospital. Um, and here are four ways you can donate. And four, four charities that effectively, if you want to donate, you can donate to them. So no links to our website. Just here's how you can help. Now that... Now, our Facebook guy doesn't necessarily love that because that's not linking to our website. But <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, I always, if I get stuck in, because we have someone looking after social media, but if I get stuck in, it's always about doing something from the heart and mm-hmm. that is important and makes a difference. So things like that always work because it's actually helping people and giving giving the so many people came on and they said oh thank you because i actually wasn't sure i wanted to do something but i wasn't sure where to give money to Mm. so um yeah things like that work awards julie you have won a plethora of awards Uh, a couple to mention you were you were a winner number one in the top 50 e-commerce people of the year for 2019 um you've won best small and succeeding retailer in the new south wales telstra business awards last year um how important you clearly are entering a lot of awards how important are they maybe to you to the business the greater good I think it's that they're important in lots and lots and lots of different ways. And people have a different, lots of different views on awards. I think it's very, very important to be able to say that a business looking to make a difference, a, acting responsibly and, you know, 100% vegan business could win that Telstra New South Wales award. For me, that's really important to show to other businesses that this this stuff matters, but also that you can be a very good business, but also lead with values and purpose. Mm-hmm. So part of it is about showing the way. The, the Telstra one particularly was, was an, a, a surprise and an absolute honour because it's so hard. <laughs> it's so it's such a process. It's massively hard. <laughs> yeah. I've been a judge on the I've been a judge on the Telstra Business Awards and I also emceed them oh. a couple of years ago and I have seen uh, the effort and the, the, the submissions, the entries are yeah. just quite significant. And if nothing else, you know, having spoken to a lot of people who have entered, um, the process of actually forcing you to look in every single corner of your business is a yeah. good process. It's an amazing process. I'm Mm. such a big fan of them and because it's because the process isn't so so in depth and we had two judges turn up to our business and it was at the old warehouse where we'd basically yeah. run out of space and there's stock everywhere and it was just like welcome <laughs> and we we had two <laughs> judges turn up and and they saw it raw and real and they spent a few hours with us going through the business and um and it's actually really good to step back and just because you don't do it much to step back and just reflect on where you are, but also be critiqued. I thought that was yes. really handy for by two really smart people coming in and going, well, what, what about this? What about that? What about that? And I was like, God, it's, it was a very good process. So the process for that one was excellent for me. The winning of it was amazing to show, Hey, this is what we can do, but also it's great for the team. Great for our customers where they go, well, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? And of course, you do get some marketing and PR out of it as well, which we'll never say no to. So, Mm. um, yeah, I think, you know, some awards are more important than others. um, Mm. And and different awards, 
you would enter for different reasons maybe. So, Julie, um, of all the marketing that you're doing, we've touched on social media and the power of that. Um, yeah. The fact that you've built a brand that actually stands for something is on purpose. All that's fantastic marketing. Can you put your finger on one little marketing initiative that you've done that's either brought in a bunch of new customers or sold a whole lot of product and just really kind of blew you away? Yeah, so oh, probably one initiative which is ongoing is when we launched our own brand because – so we have our own brand called Green and Kind. We do wholesale it a little bit, not a lot. Um, and that has worked really well for us, mostly because um, we control the supply. So a challenge we've always faced is that we couldn't get enough stock. And that has been, that has been a bit of an issue. So we said, okay, we can't, we can't keep doing this because we're pretty much just sending customers to our competitors when we don't have stock. So it's like, right, fine, let's set up our own brand. Um, and that has been really, really good for us. Um, one, we can offer a better price to the customer because we're going straight to factory. Two, the margins are much, much better. And um, three, we, we control supply. So we can suddenly push something really hard and we know we've got the stock to back it up. That's probably one of the best things we've done, which is a, a longer ongoing thing. Julie, thank you so much for sharing the story uh, of flora and fauna.com.au. Uh, a, a wonderful story. Well done on getting it to where it is in such a short period of time. And I wish you all the best for the future. Oh, thank you, Tim. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go, team. Flora and Fauna's Julie Mathers, who's kindly donated 20 $75 vouchers for me to give away in future Monster Prize draws. Don't forget, I've got marketing doyen, literally like the marketer's marketer, Seth Godin, joining us in a few weeks' time. But right now, here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Julie. Attention grabber number one. I really love how Julie so succinctly articulated her purpose as helping the world make kinder choices. Simple, efficient use of words makes complete sense and is inspirational. What's your purpose? Attention grabber number two. I love how showing kindness and compassion has led to flora and fauna having a very inclusive workplace. Given every small business and business owner that I speak to says people are their major problem, maybe Julie is onto something in her employment strategy. And attention grabber number three, I love that she's created her own house brand called Green and Kind. Could you have your own house brand? Maybe look into it. Well, that's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, big, small, whatever it may be, be sure to block out some time and implement that idea. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Yep, you know what that means. It's time to reward another motivated listener. Could be you if you've emailed me for taking some serious marketing action. Just to be clear, all you got to do, you email me, tim at timreid.com.au. You say, hey, Timbo, listen to your show. Implemented one idea from it, and as a result, this has happened to my business. If I read it out on air, you win. It's so easy. Today's winner is... Dave Harrison of Heavy Metal 
www.merchant.com. And here's what Dave has to say. G'day, Timbo. Hey, Dave. Been listening to your podcast for years. Like that. And you, you win. Done. And have absorbed and more importantly, implemented many ideas. The most resonating ones for me are when you are interviewing the younger entrepreneurs like Melanie Perkins, the founder of Canva. That was an awesome episode, been incredibly popular, highly downloaded. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Or the hat entrepreneurs, Loz and Alex. Yeah, they were good too, episode 468 from memory. It shows you the scope of what is possible using the powerful tools, technology and social media marketing to enable one to run a business and build an online brand brand and presence, even if it seems a bit off the beaten path or obscure. Yeah, that's a great learning, Dave. Totally agree with that. Episode 461 was also awesome with the 10 Facebook marketing tips for small business. That was with Cham Tang, and he's definitely used them, says Dave. Like you say, Timbo, build a niche an inch wide and a mile deep. That is what we have done to help us sell millions of dollars of heavy metal music merchandise. (laughs) I love it. At heavymetalmerchant.com. Yes, that is right. Official licensed shirts. They'd be flannelette shirts, wouldn't they? With sort of, um, I don't know, skulls and crossbones printed on them. Beanies, same thing. Hoodies, patches, flags. Gee, I'm just kind of boxing them into a corner. This is unfair. Although my son is into heavy metal and I know what that merch looks like. Um, Jewellery and even baby clothes to rockers around the world. All through harnessing the power of online marketing. Cheers, Timbo, for the marketing inspiration. Rock on, mate. Well, Dave, you rock on too, buddy, because you have won a swag of prizes for listening for so long and implementing. Here's what you've won. A $75 flora and fauna voucher. Now, Dave, heavy metal guy, are you into vegan stuff? I don't know. I don't want to kind of, you know, be too kind of, what's the word? Um, yeah, pigeonhole you, but yeah, I reckon you're a bacon eater. But anyway, you got a $75 voucher for and fauna. A lumber punk's $100 voucher to go and throw some axes. That's heavy metal right there. Uh, a 180 headlamp, uh, that's worth $100. Uh, boxing gloves from Fitness Enhancement, they're worth $40. bucks. Liars range of non-alcoholic spirits, over 500 bucks worth right there. Access to Jeff Anderson's video marketing course, 197 bucks, $100 worth of tradies undies. Promotion on this show and a backlink in the show notes. What more can you ask for? Dave, you're a winner. Everyone else, email me. I read it out on air. You win. Before we wrap things up, just a reminder that you'll find plenty more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app plus my entire archive full of ideas to grow your business is over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you're getting value from listening, don't keep the podcast a secret. Be sure to let your fellow business owners know about it. Next week, we catch up with past guest Mark Livings, who just six months ago launched a range of non-alcoholic spirits called Liars. Well, he's already had some major wins globally, and he comes in to tell us how he's achieved some massive growth in a minuscule amount of time. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed, produced by Matt Dwyer. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Now, get out there and take action. <laughs>